Hello and welcome to The Gossip Stone, a podcast talking about the Ocarina of Time randomizer, the racing scene, the community surrounding it, and offering advice, thoughts, and some commentary and summary of the community, the happenings in the recent, in the last week. Uh, to introduce your hosts, I'm Yoshi Kion. I've been a commentator within the community for about a year now. Initially started with tracking, but tend to just stick to the commentary side now. And I'm Riley, 2W690, or just Riley, and uh, I've been a player for about almost a year now, and I joined the commentary team on, I want to say, like, about four or five months I've been around. Uh, maybe a bit less, but otherwise, yeah, I'm a top 32 player as well, so. And uh, introducing our guest today, we have Lost a Pirate. Uh, yeah, so say hi, Lost. Hello there, I am Lost. I have been providing commentary for the ZSR races since uh, Season 1 Qualifier number 1 back in August 2018. And I've been doing a lot of things since, and we'll talk about that further into the episode. Alrighty, and today's episode will be, as you may have guessed, focused on the commentary side of the community, its role within the Ocarina of Time randomizer community, and also the kind of similarities and differences, ways to improve on that. We'll also, of course, have our rando recap of the uh, the latest two weeklies, as well as the season three matches that have taken place in the last few days. Also, before we start the episode, a quick shout out to our good and uh, the greatest person on this team, without a doubt, a shadow fix for being the tech behind the scenes guy, editing all of the episodes, doing all the sound and being a cool guy. Alrighty, so let's dive in with that rando recap then. Um, so, the NA Weekly. I know Trent got a lot of stick recently for the two seeds the week before that we spoke about during the first episode. Mm -hmm. This was a whole other level. This was <laughs> something else entirely. Yeah. So you had to go to Zora River as adult. To get, as adult to get a Way of the Hero strength. You had to use that to stop the spinning pot to get a bomb bag, which normally, like, that's a thing that's come up before. That's not too bad on its own. That can be avoidable with, like, other means of explosives, like bomb shoes, which are usually kind of pretty common early on. Like, you'll get at least a pack or two, but mm -hmm. this time, no. oh no. <laughs> so yeah, the bomb shoes were locked behind the bow. The first bow was Way of the Hero on the Lake Hylia Lab Roof, you had to, the other two being Shoot the Sun or the Kakariko Shooting Gallery, so both instantly bow locked. So you needed your bow, which needed beans, which or hookshot, all of which was bomb locked. Your your other twos were Spirit locked behind Strength Two, bomb locked. Shadow Temple bomb locked. Ganon's Castle, presumably bomb, and the DMT Fairy bomb locked. Your other bomb bags were the boomerang chest where you needed bombs to get into there as child. Yeah, because we had no scale at all, so we couldn't even reach uh, river at all as a child. So. Right. And the scales themselves were child spirit, which was the all dungeon song was Requiem. We'll talk, yeah. We'll talk and, about that too later. Yeah. And um, on Bongo Bongo. So they were, <laughs> they were hard locked away. And, and yeah, the other one was 
the crater fairy with a hammer behind strength two. Also locked. I think it's the first time I ever see like where you have to do that check, which a lot of people just find bad. It's kind of out of the way in general, but this time you literally had to go and do it with strength. And I'm pretty sure everybody did it as their last check possible. <laughs> One of the last two or three, at least. I saw a couple of 20 skulls left out and that was about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the only like thing that could take longer. With the equipment that players had access to right at that point, that was the only thing in the neighborhood to do. So it was really easy to put off going there when there was just about anywhere else that might have a couple checks to do. Right. I was going to say, plus logically, you had to either show the guard the letter to go up Death Mountain Trail or open it using the one strength that you got as adult, using open the Lost Woods shortcut doing that, and then come back as child through there. So it was also really difficult to actually navigate to. Yeah, that's rough. Um, but yeah, the other like big talking point, except that spinning pot, was that is it 80 or not? The whole scene, basically, like I think most of the things, it was either, oh, because water was the last medallion for most people, and they were missing iron boots, or either like you can do water with gold scale. And it ended up being that you could do AD even if you didn't need to, which is another like kind of thing that doesn't show up often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, most of the items were kind of en route once you got past... That bomb bag. Yeah. That bomb bag into everything it locked. Most of it was kind of nearby, but... Oh, that start was terrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, other than that, yeah, like you could do water... Like, some people did all dungeons, and then you just accidentally stumble upon the gold scale, which made them be able to beat water instead of getting the iron boots, which some people have done, which is kind of nuts to, to think about, but it worked out. There was Stone Shadow Way the hero, so most people just end up full clearing it because of that, so it worked out for them. All right. The EU one, on the other hand, not as bad, still pretty bad. Uh, The mirror shield in the crater fairy fountain locked behind a stone fire hammer. Unhinted. Yeah. 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 And it was basically like the hammer was like the whole seed because you, uh, we had the the dongles double way here. So like, okay. And then you go in. And then you get a bomb bag as your first item, which is behind the mud wall, which you usually need a bomb bag for, or the hammer, which can happen, but not often. So you get that bomb bag, and I'm like, you get, you get like, okay, do I need the hammer? Or is that not the way the hero? And then you just get a bomb bag and something else. I don't remember what it was, but there was only two major items in there and it was double way the hero. So like, oh my God, you need the hammer. Where is it? So Jeez. that was like that, like basically the whole seed, like, okay, do I go here? Is hammer here? Uh, maybe I don't need it at all. So I'm just going to not go there because hammer might be there. <laughs> also, of course, good old chickens also poking into the seed there. Yeah. I love it. I know. <laughs> you don't go. You don't go. <laughs> no, it's awful. I mean, it uh... was avoidable, but... <laughs> Yeah, you little you had to go to Ice Cavern to get storms to do the Kukiri Forest Storms Grotto, and that's mm, that wasn't really ideal to see because storms unlocked nothing else. 
Right, right. Which I guess then baits you towards bottom of the well and yeah, actually ends up being faster to probably just do chickens. Which is, yeah, grumble, grumble. <laughs> Alrighty, so season three races. Um, we will, so at the time of release, there will be a race or a, I think one race on the current schedule yeah. that won't be covered here uh, because we record on a Monday, we release on a Wednesday. So Marco Earl Weird for us has not happened yet. Um, next week's episode, we'll cover that one. Oh, for now, we can start with the uh, first race uh, was Engineer versus Cloudike, who I think both were in season two, I want to say. They played each other in season two, I'm pretty sure. And I think Engineer won that one, I want to say. I'm not like 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was and they had their rematch so they were both pretty excited for this one because it was a match that happened last year and i'm assuming engineer wanted to keep his uh momentum going and then cloud egg just obviously like wanted revenge right like like <laughs> <laughs> gotta have the run back like yeah. i i also think the two are fairly similar runners in a lot of ways so interesting race interesting seed Oh, that was definitely an interesting seed. Like, a seed that takes, like, three and a half hours, and it's like, oh, they didn't they didn't play bad. Like, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, when people are worrying about, oh, is this all dungeons for Saria's song with a hinted Darunia, you know that something's gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, in fact, the last item. The reason people were worried was it was Stone, Dodongo's Cavern, Shadow, and Spirit. And they got strength two in a way of the hero GTG. Nothing else. And nothing else. The same thing can be said for Forest Temple, which only had Din's fire with the hero for a stone shadow. So people were like, oh, this could be AD. Like, oh. (laughs) And then they ran out of checks. They just completely started running out of things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And ended up with strength three from water. (laughs) And the long shot outside Ganon's castle. Which is, <laughs> so the strength was way of the hero for that. Yeah, and then in the end, the Dins was just way of the hero for a hammer on Bongo Bongo ball things. Like... Which, of course, they last locationed because Child Goron City had their hovers, which they also both last location. Like, oh my god. Um, there are a couple of interesting things that we did want to touch on in this one. So... I think the biggest one was Engineer and Cloudike. They both made a call to go to GTG at one point because it was Way of the Hero and they both had access to it. Skullmask had strength and they both seen that hint. Cloudike had picked it up, Engineer had not. At that point, they, yeah, like at that point, Cloudike went to GTG with one strength, Engineer went with zero. Which is a bit risky, honestly. Like, going, like, he could have easily gotten the Skull Mask and then head to GTG, because if you get a strength in GTG, then you're, like, miles ahead. Like, oh, it's so good. And then if you don't get, I mean, it's kind of rare you can get one, but it does happen, like, from time to time. Not It's not, like, the most uncommon thing. So, like, Engineer going into strength without a strength in GTG was kind of like, hey, you could have gotten that before. It kind of... Kind of a risky. I mean, they had four rows win in Magic, so it's not the worst, but double dipping still feels bad. Right, and it ties those up for later. And that's the other thing. It's like, it's pretty unlikely that your way of the hero is going to be a strength upgrade specifically. 
um, mm-hmm. just because there's the odds of, of you needing all yeah. three are low. There's more to find, yeah. But there's there's no benefit to doing Skull Mask later. If you know you're going to do it, I I there's no reason to put it off that long when it could matter. It's even if it's a marginal edge, it's still an edge. It's still something there. Yeah, they both played execution-wise. They looked solid. None of them showed much cracks, except when they were both in fire, they were kind of falling in the bolt race for no reason, just trying to be too rushy. Yeah, I. it's hard to say if that was nerves or if that was just... I, I know with um, Cloud Ike in particular, he was doing the thing where you jump slash right at the end to land on the platform without having to climb up and just basically jump slashed a little bit too late, like two or three times. Yeah, that happens when you're too late or too early. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that was and like for all that that happened, they you know both last location, both last location. One of the biggest tweaks there, one of the biggest changes towards the end was engineer. The boss key was in a higher score run, and engineer had left for Roswind there, and Cloud hadn't. So engineer was slightly ahead as it was. At the time, yeah, Engineer was, like, maybe a minute ahead. Um, yeah, but ended up winning by seven minutes because that was a pretty big time save, not having to climb up the rest of fire again. Yeah, and the end, Engineer ended up winning with a time of 331 uh, something to CloudX338. Uh, Engineer, I think, was 14th seed to CloudX20. No, wait. Uh, engineer was 12 to CloudX 21. I th- um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I had to think there for a second. But yeah, um, other than that, that seemed like a, a decent seed. Well, not really, actually. <laughs> it seemed like a pretty bad seed. <laughs> it was one where, uh, like, the execution was always going to matter as well. Everything's coming down to... Also, can we just honourable shout-out here to Engineer, who skipped Mido's house and did chickens as the third check in the whole race. Like... Engineer went straight to, straight out, straight to Cat. Has to be a meme. Like, there's no credible way that's a good plan. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. I love it. So, so this other race, Riley. Bono versus Riley. You may have heard of him. Um, this was something of a jet seed, I think. Yeah. I want to say that too. Like... It definitely looked faster in the early game. It was, I think, less than an hour in, and we'd seen all but two items. We were only missing at that point, I think it was Hovers and the long shot. And it's just crazy fast with, you know, the appropriately bad hints to go with that. Denongo's Cavern is way of the hero. Great, we're going to skip that one. Uh, Kakariko's way of the hero. Of course, yeah. It's like Kakariko, good. Um, the Goron Nobody City one. Nobody goes there without prompting. <laughs> the Goron City one was found ridiculously late, and like also, two hours in. how do you skip that? It, items back to back there. It was just, yeah, ridiculously fast. But you both kind of skipped out on one big thing. Um, so I know you were talking. And they were different for each participant. (laughs) They didn't skip the same one big thing. (laughs) Right. I know you were saying a bit about your kind of thought process going into it. I know Bono's was just, he did three song, you did early adult. That's Mm -hmm. firstly the big divergence there. Um, Which meant you had storms before you went on your three song route. So 
you got the Kakiri Storms Grotto kind of en route through. Bono kind of stranded it a bit, having cleared Lost Woods, didn't like it had the letter, so he wasn't going back there for Jabu anytime soon. It was it was just kind of out the way. Um, and eventually he did a child cleanup and found it kind of on the way to Child Goron City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, your one was the the boulder. The I guess was, boulder a destiny. Uh, was was it actually called in like the spoiler? I can never remember. It's like the near no, castle no, moat or something. Nickname. Yeah. Castle Mo, no, bo- bo- the Boulder of Destiny. Let's go with that one. Yeah. So, um, no, the good old Boulder. You skipped that one, which, I mean, at the time, you you said that was a choice, like an active yeah, decision. Yeah, it was a decision I made early on. But, like, I mean, thinking back on it, it's clearly a mistake that because uh, Benu could have checked it so much earlier, while well, I decided to skip it just because I had the Dango's double way to here, which had a lot of priority for me where because I found the bomb bag and I saw the bomb bag on the ledge in early adult which was probably a big advantage I had you no know, doing the early adult route so I chased it mm-hmm. um still ended up being a ridiculously close race back and forth where it was a case of who finds which thing first it both of them lock like two dungeons plus a required side dungeon which way do they go um it turned out Bono did get there first, so sixth seed beat twenty seventh. Yeah, twenty seventh um, seed. I I do want to point out Bono's insane luck with the choosing spirit. Wouldn't have been enough to swing the race, but that was a timely pickup on Bono. That, that was very clutch to watch. <laughs> um, Bono was uh, doing adult side spirit, had gotten up. You know, was was a uh, about to deal with the iron knuckle on adult side now i, I want to say it was in the uh the mirror locked room just before that he was out of choose gets a clutch 10 packs that he can finish the dungeon get up in that top room where you need to blow up a wall to get the light through to dissolve the face had he not found shoes up there he would have had to come back which yeah, yeah I mean, like, I, but that he he was at zero and that clutch ten pack. <laughs> yeah, like he did he did have the money to go and buy more. He did go and buy more immediately afterwards, anyways. So it's like I say, I, it wouldn't have been enough to swing the race on its own. But it's just like that kind of feel good moment of like, oh no, I'm gonna have to leave, and then you're just like, oh, never mind, no, I don't. We're good. Let's keep going. It, it's always a, a lovely feeling as a player when you find the thing you need to finish immediately in your path on the way to do the thing that you really would like to finish. That must be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but all in all, it was a really fun race. Uh, even though I'm the one that played it, this was a good race. I had a ton of fun. So congrats to Bono, or Bunuru, I should say. And... Yeah, he won with a time of 2.29.57, which is basically the polar opposite of the other race, which was, this one was a jet seed. And yeah, I ended up forfeiting because I don't see a reason to keep going, I guess. So. Yeah, we were we were kind of sitting on commentary like, is this going to be sub 2.30? Is this going to be sub 2.30? And just, just snuck in there with it. Alrighty, so on that note, 
on to the main topic, yeah. Yeah, talking about the commentary. Um, so I, I'm going to assume anyone listening has tuned into some of the restreams. Uh, if you haven't, firstly, why not? And secondly, Zelda speedruns tune into the restreams. But more notably, the commentary side of things like plays a pretty big part in that. I, it's crazy. I've I've had streams where I've had to watch on mute before, and it is crazy the difference watching a race with and without the comms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of history there. So, I lost. You are without a doubt the expert on this. Yeah, this is <laughs> um, the OG commentators for for the Ocarina community. <laughs> yeah. So I guess do you want to start by with just like a kind of a rundown of where it's come from where how things have developed and kind of where, how we've got to where we are now yeah, back in july august 2018 remember randomizer came out may 2018 that, that's when ocarina rando like became a thing that you could play uh, and pretty quickly people got really into it and of course wanted to start doing races so the weeklies sprung up back then it was the no Major Glitches Weekly, and the Accessible Weekly. Uh, and Tresco and Apasha were going to be doing the restreams, Tresco being the person in charge of ZSR, and Apasha just being somebody who was really active and involved in the community at that point, helping coordinate everything. And they just put out a call saying, hey, who wants to do commentary? We need people to talk about this as we're doing these races. And me being naive and hopeful it was like hey hi i want to i want to help <laughs> and for reasons that both of them admit is completely unknown to either of them they actually let me on mic uh, and i got to <laughs> provide commentary for the very first tournament qualifier for season one which was really really cool for me that was something that i was so excited about to be able to bring a non-speedrunner perspective to that because i i was very much a casual i had finished like three seeds total at that point oh, i just watched a lot of people playing i'd been watching uh those runs and those races for like basically since folks had started <laughs> and i was not the only one who wanted to help we kind of pretty quickly started realizing we had more people volunteering to do this than we had spots on mic every week. And so it started, ended up evolving to where you needed to, it wasn't just first come first serve. We had more people than there was room for. And so started having to be something that Tresco was delegating every week was who's going to be doing the commentary. We have several volunteers and two spots on mic. And in order to keep it from being just whoever responded first every week, you know, to make sure that everybody got their chance, it started being something that was uh, assigned originally by Tresco every week or who would be doing the commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so... I mean, from there now, we've got... I, you take charge of a lot of the kind of commentary sign-ups, the 
kind of the ways of delegating those tasks you've kind of yeah um around the time we were transitioning from quals to brackets uh, i was starting to take a more involved hand in a lot of this just because i had a lot of time on my hands i was really passionate about it and you know i was somebody who was willing to to help out and so i ended up getting promoted onto the mod team helped with the creation of the support role within the discord to help new players get set up playing on you know racing or otherwise and taking over kind of the role as volunteer coordinator, helping make sure that we had commentators and trackers, shout outs to our trackers, they are wonderful folks too, and their job is not easy either. <laughs> um, and making sure that like the folks who wanted to help got an opportunity to, that nobody got to just kind of steamroll over everything and trying to make sure that, you know, the that the, the workload was distributed evenly and fairly as as best as i could yeah that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. so i guess from there that kind of sort of brings us to near where we are now i guess mm -hmm. yeah we transitioned from uh around the around the shift from the after like the 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 mid-season the 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 off-season lull after season one everybody was pretty well exhausted and we'd had a lot of amazing commentators but we'd also had a few rocky situations uh we started setting up the auditions for commentary uh before season two started up i remember assigning commentators for like three weeks before season two qual started because we were trying to get everybody to kind of have that experience on the mic and get comfortable doing that before we got into the official tourney season. And that's about the point when we started doing the audition phase of commentary. And I, I know that's something that you guys kind of want to talk about uh, I, today. Yeah. I mean, I, for, well, I guess the main thing with that is telling people how to sign up and getting people into that because, um, I think when people hear the word audition, it I think it scares a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know as, from personal experience. As the experience, person who yeah. reviews the bulk of these auditions, I will tell you, it, it's it's not like a, a real strenuous thing. It's largely just making sure, you know, simple things, because it's a lot easier to just have somebody record over six minutes of video footage than like do an interview about it. You can figure out what's happening a lot faster. Is their mic working? Do they speak English fluently? Is their regional accent something that can be readily understood? <laughs> Do they show some sort of knowledge about what's happening that they're looking at? It's, it's not a real high bar. The, the main thing that I've seen that folks don't pass through for is just really bland lack of enthusiasm like that's that's one of the few things that will kind of make your audition just not stick right um enthusiasm about what you're looking at even if you aren't entirely sure what you're looking at is that is important um 
I think one of the things that allowed me to get involved in comms in the very first place was when I was talking to Apache and Tresco and talking about an A Link to the Past tournament randomizer tournament that was going on at that time, still in progress. The spring tourney that was still running in the summer and fall. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 never-ending spring tourney of 2018. Um, and the fact that I had been tuning in and watching a lot of that and the level of enthusiasm from commentators on that made the difference between I don't know who these people are and I don't really care. And I don't know who these people are, but I want to watch this. <laughs> yeah, it makes a difference for when a viewer tunes in and see like, oh, this person is really enthusiastic. It's way more interesting to watch than if somebody is just like talking like this the whole time without any thought or any like, yeah. like the, the auditions sense. that have come in that have not passed through generally are ones that are very golf commentary, very flat, unenthusiastic, very by the book. And since I don't want to let all of my own biases come through, usually when there's something that I'm feeling a little iffy about, where it's like, this isn't my jam, but I'm not sure, then I'll send it up the food chain to Tresco and get his opinion on it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he goes, oh, this is fine. What, what do you not like here? <laughs> 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 and that that happens <laughs> i i do not decide all this stuff unilaterally <laughs> and sometimes it's like yeah no i'm 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 not feeling this either you know but politely mm -hmm. decline on this one yeah i think a lot of people worry about how much they know about the game and like while knowing the game is good caring about the game matters a lot more because you can learn the game from doing commentary yeah like you can't start caring about the game by doing commentary on it mm -hmm. it's really difficult to like oh first thing i want to do and playing like knowing about this game is jump into commentary like inform yourself first about how the process of the game is or how the people play it or like what's where what's what's this mm -hmm. what's that and then like okay go commentary and the first like the first good suggestion is apply for tracker first and then when you get comfortable doing that and like okay figure out more then you can come and go up to commentary yeah. mm -hmm. we have had so many folks who started rising through the ranks as trackers i mean most everybody if you're following the racing scene is familiar with one of our mods and restreamers cubs rule he started out as a tracker and then he started doing commentary and then he started doing restreaming. <laughs> and then he started playing randomizer. <laughs> I'm not making yeah. this up. <laughs> yeah, Cubs only started playing like, like half a year ago, if that. Yeah. He, not even, yeah. But he yeah. was super involved in the community. Knew the memes, knew the jokes, knew the strategy, knew the meta. Just from throwing himself headfirst into it and mm. has you know risen up appropriately since then and i guess that is one of the other things that's worth mentioning here is like newcomers to commentary will not be thrown in at the deep end no, <laughs> no. yeah that that is one of the other things is uh kind of the the new commentator orientation any any new volunteers there is any anytime we have new volunteers coming in, either on the tracking team or on the commentary team, there is 
a new person orientation that's provided like immediately upon joining up. I always, everybody cracks jokes about the giant walls of text that I have saved in Google Docs, but you know what? They're informative and helpful. <laughs> I agree. And when people the first actually time read them. anyone does commentary or tracking in the active channels, which are some some. Hey, behind the scenes, secret spoilery. Uh, we, we have hidden channels back there for coordinating these restreams. In the active channels that are in charge of where all of the race stuff goes on for, for all the production stuff. In there, there's another big wall of text for your very first time calming or tracking. And like, with screenshots and everything, so you know what everything's going to look like. <laughs> Um, so we, we do try and make it as welcoming as possible, and one of the ways that we do that is unless we are in some sort of dire situation, which we haven't seen in a very long time. It's been months since we have not had enough commentators to cover the races that we have in a given week. So most races are covered with two commentators and an optional third, because we found that there's often more people who want to do commentary than there are necessarily spots, but that not every race needs three people. For multi-worlds, we really do try and get a third. It really helps yeah. to have an extra yeah. set of eyes on that. <laughs> yeah, especially like when there's four runners on screen, sometimes a third is nice. But like, example, mm -hmm. like the bracket match is happening, like a two commentary can easily suffice and like there's no complaints about anywhere. There's a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so for new folks joining the ranks in the commentators, they're given that optional third slot for their first race or two so that they can come in and that there's already two people who are who who are established, who know the routine, who are there to kind of help guide the situation and able to help bring the newer person in so that they aren't just completely thrown off the deep end. And we've done this also to make it easier on our more experienced folks because we've had new person and experienced person and the new person is very nervous and not saying much and that puts a lot of pressure on the more experienced commentator as well and not everybody appreciates that pressure <laughs> having, having been on that side of things before i yeah i can definitely relate to that so, <laughs> so, so both we, sides we do of that. both for the new person and for the experienced folk putting it with two and one mm-hmm to to keep everybody in a more comfortable space. So we kind of covered the general kind of aims, the audition, what that's looking for, you know, the mic quality, understanding the game, caring about the game. Um, we, we definitely want to don't want to skip over how to go about applying if you would like to join, because we always need new volunteers. It's there are always going to be more races and real life happens to everybody. People drift in and out of the community, and there's nothing wrong with that. Folks have life stuff happen. And and so some of our older veteran commentators have moved on to other things. They've found other games that they're playing now. They've drifted in and out of Ocarina, and that's fine. If you would like to join the volunteer team, either as a commentator or if you'd like to kind of dip your toes in on the tracking team instead there is this lovely channel in the discord called chatbot it's under the miscellaneous tab chatbots where you can use all of your favorite bot commands and not annoy your community mods <laughs> and there's a lovely exclamation mark 
volunteer command. And right in there, Randobot will link you to the volunteer form. That's much easier than me rattling off numbers and letters for a Google <laughs> form link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go to this page. Yeah, yeah and that like works as well. Miscellaneous or the MISC tab on the Ocarina of Time Randomizer Discord, going to the chatbot channel and exclamation mark volunteer. So, in terms of what the audition covers, we've covered kind of the basics there. There are, of course, things that the audition won't cover that kind of, I think, are worth touching on, kind of aims that you just won't see in terms of a five, six-minute video. So, little things like... So one that and this I, I will say, so some of this has come from feedback we've received in various places. Some of this is just stuff that we've thought of that hasn't come up and hopefully never will. Um, so I think one of the things is background noise. Sometimes background noise is uncontrollable. That happens. Um, but sometimes it's very controllable. And... I, I So there is one kind of difficulty with this that I've noticed recently, because I've got a habit of having a mute key for Discord that I always toggle on and off. That's really bad for commentary. Yeah, it, being able to, as soon as you see something, being able to react to that something is good. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, sometimes isn't always achievable. Because um, obviously... You know, ocarina runs tend to be anywhere from two to four hours, depending on whether it's a good or bad seed. That's the that's the general range is two to four hours. And so, mm -hmm. of course, during that time, you're going to need a drink of water. You're probably going to want a snack. Almost everybody needs to step away to go use the bathroom at some point. Totally normal. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Nothing that's looked down on or anything, but <laughs> you know, that's the sort of thing where you want to use the back channels to communicate that as opposed to just saying hey i'm stepping away to use the bathroom <laughs> also yeah muting at the time because background noise unsurprisingly i don't think people really want to hear anyone like you know coughing and like drinking or using the bathroom in the background that not not the best background noise to erase <laughs> i can say during commentary for the brackets race earlier today i was eating potato chips and my mic was muted, so I don't think anybody noticed that I was snacking on potato chips for part of that race. I, it's just kind no. of being aware of your circumstances. And that situational awareness is something that doesn't come instinctively to everybody. And so we don't mind giving some feedback about that. Like, if, if you just kind of didn't realize that, oh yeah, your chair is squeaking, like, every time you shift your weight... We're getting these loud, high-pitched squeaks. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, some people, it's just the background noise that exists is so mundane. You don't even really register it. Like, during the match earlier today, my cat decided to say hello to us a few different times. She's very good at disrupt disrupting restreams by just deciding, I'm going to scream at you right now, and I'm a cat. <laughs> The, um, the, the, I was gonna, I don't really know where to go from that. <laughs> so, um, so, like, I can, I can either just roll with it. If we're in a lull, I'll just let the cat meow because 
you know, if there's not really action going on, getting sidetracked by a kitty is usually not everybody's least favorite disruptive. But like, if we're in the middle of stuff, I'll just mute my mic and like shove her out the door. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's it's not it's not the nicest thing to do to the kitty, but it unfortunately Sometimes. isn't all about her as much as she would like it to be. Sometimes a necessary evil. <laughs> yeah. I I want to kind of pull things back a bit because you said about situational awareness and I, I think that ties in really closely to a point that I I definitely feel very strongly about. In terms of talking over people, cutting people off, that kind of thing, when is that okay, I guess, is the question there. I know I am very prone to talking over people and that some commentators don't care like they're used to a lot of back and forth and it doesn't really matter some people it's really disruptive to them and very frustrating and i generally don't end up doing commentary with those folks as much <laughs> because i do I, tend I, to yeah. as soon as i see something interesting that's happening on screen if somebody is giving like analysis I generally try not to butt in. If somebody's on a tangent and something cool happens in the race that our our main purpose for being here and chatting at that particular moment in time is talking about the race, and I feel it's appropriate to to butt in and say, "Hey, this just happened," right? And bring I know things back towards the the intended focus. Mm -hmm. I know personally, I like. From my perspective, I have a very bad habit, and it is, I think, a bad habit of if I think I know where someone's point is going, I'll follow on from it before they've finished making that point. And I know that is something I do, something I've tried to kind of stop myself doing, but again, that's not always an easy thing to do. At first, the first thing is noticing when it's happening. If it's something big happening on screen, I think at that point, you're just like, oh my god, and everyone just kind of stops and addresses it, and then you can go back to whatever point was being made. Um, I know there's definitely been some feedback about cutting off when it's been just a different point entirely, and I think that's something that I, I think, like, like you were saying earlier, is some people aren't going to notice when that's happening, and that's fine. If people don't notice it, the first step is to make sure they know it's happening. So it's it's recognizing when that is a problem and I guess figuring out when when yeah. they should or shouldn't cut in. Yeah. And the commentary back channels, we, we do have a commentator text channel in the server. There's it's a very supportive group where people do give constructive criticism and feedback for that sort of thing. It's mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. You did great. Like, there's there's tons of that where people are just reinforcing all the goodness that exists in the community. There's so much of it. And then occasionally you'll get, like, me giving production notes of, like, these are some things we've been getting some, some consistent feedback about. This isn't anyone in particular has done mm -hmm. this, that, or the other. Like... I think for the first couple bracket matches, I hadn't even had the opportunity to watch them. But I'd seen comments in, in the Discord, and so was bringing that feedback to the comms team to make sure that they were aware of some of that feedback that we'd been getting. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, there there is that constructive criticism that exists. None of us are perfect. I make plenty of mistakes. I am not one of our best commentators by any stretch. I'm just somebody who's very good at the administrative stuff. So I end up doing a lot of the behind the scenes coordination. Yeah, it's it's funny how much kind of the strengths of commentary also tie into those weaknesses, um, which I guess we'll go into a bit more at some point soon. But, um, you know, you want people who care about the game, which then means they get very excited about the game, which then means maybe they don't realize when they're cutting in a little too soon or a little too often. Um, and similarly, you have people who... and we've spoken in quite in a lot of depth before about how there's almost like two brands of commentary. Um, and you'll have people who focus less on the race and more on the kind of the memes and the community and the kind of background around it than the actual ex like race situation itself, which again is completely fine, but can go off on a few too many tangents away from the race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, and and I try as as the person kind of delegating the assignments. I try and keep aware of who is more inclined towards the the very analytic. You know, this this is the logic. This is the plays that the people are making. This is the context of what's happening. The folks who are a little more on that end of the spectrum versus the folks who make a lot of jokes and go off on a lot of tangents and have a lot of fun and are very entertaining, but not necessarily as informative about what's happening. There's a place for both of those styles. Like one isn't correct and the other incorrect. It's just a matter of finding a good balance and kind of fitting those strengths towards the races that they cover. I mm. like, this is a big commentary thing in kind of any game. This isn't, OOT specific this is like the this applies to wrestling this applies to like every other esport it's um the play-by-play -play versus color kind of commentary having somebody who can sit there and break down what's happening in the game and the exact strategies and decisions that are going on is great but it can be very easy to get wrapped up in that at the same time you need somebody who can kind of sit back offer a kind of almost lighter commentary, like a more kind of casual conversational commentary, and also ask enough questions and kind of push the play-by-play -play in the right direction to explain the right things. <laughs> yeah, one of my roles is as restreamer, and so I that evolved from my involvement on the commentary team, was getting more involved in the production side of things with ZSR, and so occasionally I'll help out with other communities. And for that, I am very much uh, the comedic sidekick. If I'm helping out with a, say, the Wind Waker randomizer race, I don't play it, I'm not super familiar, but you know, sometimes it's commentary's job just to be the buddy of the person who actually knows what's happening and is explaining everything. To be that, you know, support person so that somebody isn't carrying all of it themselves like we talked earlier about somebody who's new and a little bit more timid 
making a more experienced commentator have to carry more of that load. Mm-hmm. And so, like, me, I, I think of myself as a fairly competent ocarina commentator. I can fill in in a variety of different settings. For other randomizers that I sometimes help out with it as, as well, just because of my involvement in the communities, um, for that I very much am a support person only. Right. But <laughs> that's where you can come in and basically start saying, like, oh, I've never seen this before. Can you explain it to me or explain it to everybody else watching? And then that can also be really nice for, like, newer viewers that are, like, yeah. kind of... So how uh... does this trick work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said earlier, when, when reviewing auditions, you don't necessarily need to know all the nicknames for all the different items, all the nicknames for all the different check locations in the overworld. We've got memes and jokes and nicknames for damn near everything we're a really silly community we like to crack jokes about stuff and you don't need to know all of that stepping in Mm -hmm. and yeah like somebody who is excited and passionate and eager to ask questions and help prop up the folks who who are a little bit more knowledgeable and helping facilitate them sharing that knowledge is also a really good strategy. Right. Like, one of the things that will happen as well, and this this applies to any commentator, no matter what their strength or weaknesses are, or whatever, um, chat plays a pretty big part in it as well. Because in terms of, like, your oh, play-by-play, yeah. your experts, chat will often be the people asking the questions that you, or you'll be answering. But a lot of the time, they'll also be answering the questions before you can. So chat kind of fills the same role and it's just about filling in the right holes when you need to and recognizing what those holes are in terms of the kind of color commentary it's sometimes they will just like amplify one thing and that's how that's how the memes develop like memes do not develop by people saying them until they stick memes develop because someone says something and chat finds it funny and then later on it comes up again and then it comes up again and before you know it every race people are like oh i wonder what's in steve mm-hmm. or have <laughs> we found greg yet right or what's in the boulder destiny today riley <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably a strength upgrade i'm sorry I, I, I had too to. soon it was too right soon <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine it with it. right there but yeah i feel like sometimes it is can be annoying for a newer viewer to like oh they're not talking about what what huh like so I, yeah, it's, I think with both cases, it's a case of knowing the limit. Whether it's going off on a logic chain and trying to figure things out, and I, I, I know myself, I'm guilty of this one because I, I tend to be more on the kind of the logic play-by-play side of things. I am very guilty of this one where I'll go down a logic rabbit hole and eventually I'll just have to kind of snap myself back in and be like, "That's not actually happening. Let's focus on what's on the screen." And there, there definitely are different kinds of races that cater more and less to those different styles. The weeklies are randomizer players watching other randomizer players play randomizer. It's it's very for us by us. The the weekly events are very much full of the in jokes, and that is a great place to be able to express them. Mm-hmm. Tournament matches are a little different. 
that's kind of where we have a lot more eyes from outside the community looking in. And we need to be a little bit more respectful of those folks who aren't in on all the jokes yet. We'd like to bring them in so that they do get in on all the jokes, so that they do continue to to stay and watch and, you know, maybe participate themselves. Right, and, like, but... that is... That ties back to one of the pieces of feedback that uh, was received early in the season. Like, people were, sure, explaining a lot of the gameplay very efficiently, using terms that people might not know. What's, what's GTG? Oh, Gerudo Training Grounds. That's it. And I think that has already been picked up. I think a lot of people have very quickly adjusted to that idea. There is a kind of balancing act at play of over-explaining things as well, and it's hitting that kind of sweet spot where mm. you summarize it in one sentence, you say what it means, you move on. Um, yeah, and and the fact that that those different styles of commentary, those different attitudes towards how to present the information to the viewing audience kind of depends on who the viewing audience is. And as I said, weeklies kind of have a different viewer base than the tournament matches and so when thinking about commentary for those that is kind of where some of the shift occurs is are we catering to people who do this every week and who are knee deep in it all the time or are we trying to make sure that everybody even if this is their very first rando race that they've watched is coming in because the tournament's going on and we're the new hotness and folks wanting to know what's going on. <laughs> I was going to say, in like, if everything is kind of free reign, you can pick and choose as as you see fit. Would the ideal scenario then be, say, for a weekly race, your three commentators are two of the more kind of meme-heavy, lighter commentary, and one kind of more logic-based, like, expert. And then in the tournaments, it's the other way around, like, two kind of designated experts and one to fill in the lighter role? Yeah, as as the person who kind of oversees this sort of thing, I do try and take that into account when assigning these. Because I do want to give everybody who wants to participate a chance on mic. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, just pick my favorites. Because, I mean, obviously I have some biases, of course. But I really try hard <laughs> to not let those show. <laughs> and I recently had somebody ask if uh, if I was able to override the Randobot algorithm for assigning volunteers. <laughs> so I what? think I'm doing an okay job at checking my biases at the door and giving everybody an equal shot. If somebody literally thought that it was the bot doing the assignments, <laughs> I think that's a sign that I am that I am adequately keeping my biases in check. But I'm sure that they do show up. I mean, I I can't help it. I am human, and I do have preferences, of course. Mm -hmm. But I try and check that at the door. <laughs> yeah. So the other, actually, one of the other things that we've not really mentioned, kind of related to the whole play-by-play -play color thing, um, the other thing is that some people are just louder than others. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I guess that's an interesting balancing act. Is it better to have quiet people with other quiet people? Because that way 
you'll hear them more they won't there won't be someone talking over them all the time or is it better to have one quieter and one more talkative because that way there's no dead air in between but also there's the point where you can have two talkative persons or there's never dead air and there's always something to talk about and there's always something to throw or take or like stuff like that but potentially cutting each other off i personally am not a fan of the dead air i if i'm on mic like even if i'm you know just restreamer i'm not supposed to be commentating if i notice that the two comms that are there are just really taking a back seat i'll step in because for me as the restreamer as well that one of those other hats i wear if there isn't talking, I assume something broke. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that, but... So, I I personally really try and fill that dead air. To me, it is a sign something isn't going right if there's big gaps in the conversation. And mm-hmm. usually those don't occur. Like that, that is very rarely an issue for us. We've got a lot of colorful people in this community. And we have very few people who really backseat when they're on the mic. Right. Like there are definitely some people who are kind of on the quieter side of things. And I don't think there's anyone who's at the point where it's like, you need to talk more at the end. It's more like... Knowing your role, right? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of navigate in and... uh, Yeah, it's like... Yeah, it's exactly that. It's navigating in exactly where... I guess... If you're not going to say much, make the things you say notable. And I guess that comes back to that enthusiasm point from earlier. Mm -hmm. That, That is... From my perspective, one of one of the the necessary things to start it on it is is having that eagerness about it. Because if if it's very dull, if there's no passion, if there's no enthusiasm, there's not much I can do to help build that up in somebody. If this isn't something that they really get a kick out of from the get-go that's harder to build a lot of other things there's you know we can give each other constructive criticism we can help each other become more knowledgeable about routing about logic about strategy Mm -hmm. about the memes and the jokes and the nicknames and the everything (laughs) we can help build that amongst the team uh, yeah, that's one but of the things that I. If you just aren't I've... that into it to begin with, like that. that yeah, that's hard I. To work with. <laughs> I've been very outspoken about the fact, like when I started commentary, I jumped in on tracking for like two races and then jumped straight up to comms and was like, I, I'm doing this more. And I had one race where I got the logic completely wrong, and that was it. I just sat down, like spoke to a bunch of people, and was like, "Teach me these things." There are people who will teach those mm-hmm. things. There are people who oh, can yeah. help with that. And Nobody even if can it help isn't if you other commentators, you talk to the racers, you go into strat discussion and chat with the racers and they'll tell you why they're doing the things that they're doing. This is not a secretive, I'm going to hold this play all to myself and not, you know, not share my strategy. I'm going to sit on this and this is going to be my ticket to winning. That, 
that's not really <laughs> how this community behaves. It's not really how any of the randomizer communities behave, and not really how speedrunning behaves. It's very collaborative. And so, if there's a knowledge gap, there's people who are more than happy to fill that knowledge gap mm -hmm. somewhere within the community. <laughs> so, I guess if we wrap things up pretty soon, so let's go let's go with the bigger picture here everything ideal scenario community is countless numbers you can pick and choose exactly the roles exactly the kind of numbers in terms of commentary um what would be the kind of end goal of that what would be the aim in terms of what you know the number of commentators for the current schedules um the kind of aims of each commentator and the positions they fill and that kind of thing. Uh, as I've kind of touched on, it somewhat varies race to race. Um, I do take what race is this in mind when assigning? Because I know who is more of a jokester. Like, that, that isn't something that you can really hide. That's something that is part of what you bring to the comms team. If you're somebody who cracks a lot of jokes... Or if you're somebody who is more analytic, play-by-play, -play, talking about the race, talking about what's going on. And I try and keep an awareness of, you know, where people fall on that spectrum. And do try to, to kind of get the more analytic folk towards the brackets matches where it's, you know, a, a higher tier of play versus the weeklies where it's like... Sometimes we're intentionally showing off folks who are bottom tier. Like, we want everybody to get their chance in the spotlight. We don't only want to show our top 10. That's not interesting. That's not fun to watch every week. Plus so sometimes we are good showcasing factor. a variety of different runners. You know, every week we kind of, kind of analyze, like, okay, what... Where where in the SRL rankings are we kind of focusing today? And sometimes we'll say, let's let's go with some of the newbies. They haven't been featured yet, and they're probably of similar skill level. And so we aren't talking about the advanced plays in that setting. We're talking about the things that are more beginner friendly, are the things that you start to work on when you're just getting into racing. And that has a place too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I I don't know if there's more that either of you want to add to this. I feel like we've just kind of done a roundabout tour of everything here, and it's gone by quicker than I expected, I've got to be honest. <laughs> I just want to make sure we double back to, if this is something that you think you might want to do, please, audition. <laughs> Please yeah. do. We always need more yeah. people. You're hearing a new voice from the community, get involved and start commentating or even tracking if that's your cup of tea. Like, mm -hmm. it's always great to see new people just join the community, start to interact. Like, it makes everybody happier. It makes you happier, most likely. And all around, it makes, uh, makes the environment a lot fun to be around. Yeah, I've heard countless people talk about how nervous they are going into it and everyone is going to be nervous going into it and honestly 
the community could not be more welcoming on that front. You, you... And the Ocarina of Time randomizer, like, comms and tracking team are kind of some of the more robust amongst the, the randomizer teams. Um, if commentary doesn't really seem like your jam, you'd rather kind of do some more behind-the-scenes stuff, there is tracking. And a lot of other communities are shorthanded in that regard. Tracking is not a very glamorous job, but absolutely essential. Like We, we need trackers. That is not something that you can go on without. It is not ideal to have your commentators also tracking. It it doesn't work very well, especially with our general four-player layout for um, for like the weeklies and stuff. And since a lot of other communities are shorthanded on this sort of thing, like when other Zelda speedruns tournaments are coming up, we've got several going on right now, we'll often look to the Ocarina tracker pool to see if we can help boost those numbers because we've got so many people who are really into helping out with this stuff that it doesn't even have to be Ocarina. They'll help out with the Wind Waker. They'll help out with the Minish Cap. They'll help out with Majora's Mask randomizer. Whatever's going on, folks, we've got a lot of people who want to help and who want to be involved. And we love that. That's it's a really wonderful feeling that we have this enthusiastic bunch of volunteers who want to participate and be involved in this stuff. It's as somebody who helps, you know, kind of from the more administrative side. It's really great when we see people in the back channels talking about, you know, I I didn't really feel like I had a place and this is a really cozy place for me to be. Cause we try and be a very supportive and inclusive bunch. Yeah. Like and, I, and I, when I... it works, it just feels so nice that the community is, has each other's backs as we do. Yeah. I know there's so many different kind of people from, all kind of backgrounds within OOTR, like there's people who are, you know, right in the mix with the competition at the top, there's people who are kind of stepping up and learning, there's people who basically never play but love watching, and some of the conversations back and forth are just so encouraging. I can't think of a better word for it. It's like, it's great to see, it's really nice to see, and I, I guess... I guess all of us here are going to be, you know, encouraging people to join that, take part, and yeah, get involved. I mean, this is why this whole podcasting started. Like, and there's a lot of involvement, so like, we were all enjoy all of this. So like, why not? Like, let's just start this up and have a blast with it. Let's talk more about the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, if if you are somebody listening to this, and we have drilled into your skull enough that yes really 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 we would like you to join in head on over to the main ocarina of time randomizer discord discord.gg slash oot randomizer go to the misc group of tabs and the chatbot channel type exclamation mark volunteer 
and that will link you to the volunteer form where you can sign up to do tracking or audition to do commentating. Perfect. I think that is a good place to wrap things up then. So thank you so much for joining us for this. Um, oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> As you can tell, it's it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that I've been involved in for like a year and a half now. And, and knee deep in it the entire time. <laughs> but it's because it's something that I care about. Yeah, and we all, I think everybody in the Discord, and I'm not speaking for myself here, that we appreciate everything you do for everybody in the community. It's a ton of work. It's not easy. And uh, yeah, nice. Thank you. There wouldn't be anything to do administrative stuff about if there weren't racers and, and an abundance of commentary volunteers to have to organize. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, remember to check out the Gossip Stone on Spotify and iTunes, as well as a whole multitude of associated podcast apps. Uh, give us a follow over there. The more people we can get listening, maybe we'll find you know people who are Ocarina of Time casual players who don't know about the randomizer yet. Drag them in that way. So give us all of your support there if you can. Really appreciate everyone listening this far. Join us again next week for an episode on opening routes, the ways that you can approach the start of a seed, the different kind of options and how those options adjust your mid-game, what changes those routes, when you should or shouldn't do a long child section, that kind of thing. I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about on that one, so hopefully we'll see you all there for that. Thanks again for listening, everyone. <laughs>